So like I mentioned, today we are starting a four-week series on spiritual gifts. And I would guess that some of you this morning or listening are, are not yet followers of Jesus. And we are glad you're here. Let me say that. Very glad you're here. But I, I want to kind of give you some context because you're wondering, what are spiritual gifts? Let me explain why spiritual gifts are so important to followers of Jesus. So it all starts with when we first became followers. We saw that there was a God, real God, who created us, who loves us, and that knowing him is the joy we've been created for. He is our all-satisfying treasure. We see that. We also see that we've turned our backs on him. It's what the Bible calls sin, and so we face his judgment forever. But in amazing compassion, love, grace, mercy, God sent his own son, Jesus, the Messiah, into the world. And Jesus, as we've been singing about this morning, he was punished in our place for our sins. He was punished for the sins of everyone who will put their trust in him. And so when we became followers of Jesus, we saw that and we said, I'm going to turn from sin and put my trust in Jesus Christ. And the moment we did that, we were forgiven for all of our sins we were reconciled to God. We came to know God. And for the first time, we felt his love and his presence and had the joy that we had been looking for all our lives, filling our hearts and overflowing our hearts. And part of the effect of that is that we, we want to share this with everybody. We want to help people around us, comfort those who are discouraged, care for the poor, care for the sick, care for the hungry. We want to tell everybody about the good news of Jesus. And one of the ways that God helps us to do that is by giving us what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. Let me list some of them. Here's some of the gifts God gives his people. The gift of mercy. So you have extra compassion to care for someone. The gift of generosity. So you're glad to take what's yours and, and share it with others. The gift of teaching. So you can explain the Bible to other people. There's a gift of leadership. So you are able to Draw people together and say, let's, let's go help this group of people. Let's go encourage this person over here. The gift of leadership. Gift of prophecy. This is where God brings a thought into your mind, which you would not have had on your own, but that when you share it with whoever he gives it to you for, they are greatly strengthened and encouraged. There's the gift of faith, where God will at times give you this supernatural confidence that he's going to work in a miraculous way. And then as you act on that, he does. He gets glorified and people get helped. The Bible talks about a gift of healing, where you pray for someone to be healed and God supernaturally and miraculously heals them. We love doctors, we love nurses, and we love when God supernaturally heals people as well. The gift of kinds of tongues, where God gives you the ability to pray in a language you've never learned, which strengthens your faith, and then... If you share that with others, it's interpreted. If it's heard by others, it always needs to be interpreted, and they get strengthened. So here's some of the gifts that God gives to us. That's what we're going to be talking about the next four weeks. And this morning, I want to focus on the gift of prophecy, because that's the gift that Paul especially focuses on in 1 Corinthians 14. And, because, and the reason he does that is because it's a gift that brings so much benefit to so many people. Now, let me give you two examples from the New Testament of how the gift of prophecy was used by God to bring help to people. The first is from Acts chapter 11, verses 27 to 29. I just kind of want to whet your appetite here. So you're thinking, wow, this, 
This is amazing. Look at Acts 11, 27 to 29. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. So here God uses prophecy to bring believers information about a need that was taking place in the body of Christ elsewhere, which they otherwise wouldn't have known about, so they were able to help them. So think about what that might look like today. Imagine that we're here on a Saturday morning worshiping the Lord, and, and God brings someone, somebody amongst you a word of prophecy to be shared with the church that maybe there's a group of believers in Syria, for example, or in Iraq who are part of a church struggling greatly financially, and we pray about it, and, and it feels like that's what God's confirming to us. You know, you, you check out the whole situation, obviously, but we send them money, and then a few weeks later, we get this letter back. You have no idea how perfect the timing of that was. Thank you. Here's what God did through that. That's the way that God can work through a gift of prophecy. Here's a second example from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor in the city of Ephesus. And he wants Timothy to stir up this spiritual gift that he's been given. But look at what he says in 1 Timothy 4, 14. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So here God uses prophecy to give a young pastor, Timothy, a spiritual gift. So I try to think of how that might look here. Imagine that here on a Saturday morning, we are sending off a young pastor with a team of people to go plant a church on Ream Island, maybe. All right, so, so they're here. We're going to lay hands on them. Elders here to pray. Others are here praying for them. And someone receives a prophecy that we are supposed to pray for this pastor this morning and ask God to give him the gift of evangelism, say, as an example. So we, okay, that's, that feels right to us. Let's pray that. So we pray and ask God to give this pastor the gift of evangelism, ask God to bless the team, and we send them off. Wouldn't it be amazing if over the next few weeks we start hearing about dozens of people on Rima Island coming to faith in Jesus Christ? This is the way God can work, through the gift of prophecy, for example. Now, the question we want to raise this morning is, does God still do that sort of thing? Does he do that today? We know he did that back in the book of Acts. Does he do that in the year 2021? And Paul answers that question in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, through chapter 14, verse 1. You might say, why am I including the first verse of chapter 14? Well, remember, the original letter that Paul wrote had no chapter breaks. Those were added later on. They're very helpful, so we can remember where verses are. But originally, there was no break between the end of chapter 13 and chapter 14. So with that in mind, let's read this passage, and then we'll go through it verse by verse. 1 Corinthians 13, starting with verse 8. Paul says, Love never ends. So love is going to keep going, being important forever. 
As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Supernatural knowledge. It will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Therefore, pursue love, chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, let's start by asking, what's the main point of these verses? What's the main point of this passage? And the main point is verse 1 of chapter 14, because you can always tell the main point of a passage by noticing the commands, the commands that are in that passage. And the command is in verse 1. There's three of them, three commands. First, we are to pursue love. What Paul wants us to do as we're thinking about spiritual gifts is it's all for the sake, not of exalting ourselves in any way, but it's for the sake of love, to help encourage, strengthen our brothers and sisters, to advance the gospel to lost people. Second, we're to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire. I love that picture. Desiring gifts is a crucial part of receiving gifts. So earnest desire of gifts is essential if we're going to be receiving all the resources God has for us to build each other up and to advance the gospel. Third command, we should especially desire to prophesy. Now let's just talk about prophecy a little bit more. Like I said earlier, prophecy is where God brings a thought into your mind, which when you share it, brings great benefit to other people. It's not something you thought up. There's nothing wrong with that. There's times where we need to think things up. We need to think and share wisdom. God works powerfully through ordinary wisdom beautifully. That's a great gift. But prophecy is where God brings a thought into your mind that you would not have had otherwise. He just puts it in your mind. And as you share it, it benefits others. Now, some people think that New Testament prophets are the same as Old Testament prophets. But that's not the case. This is very important. We'll talk about this more next week. But there's a huge difference. Old Testament prophets like Moses and like Isaiah, they spoke and they wrote truth directly from God, which became Scripture. Perfect, the perfect words of God spoken and in Scripture. Thus saith the Lord, they said. But in the New Testament, it's different. Old Testament prophets wrote the Old Testament books of Scripture. Who wrote the New Testament books of Scripture? Not prophets. Apostles. The apostles in the New Testament. Matthew, Peter, 
John, Paul, they wrote the New Testament books of Scripture. So in the New Testament, it's apostles who speak and write the very words of God. Apostles, not prophets. Prophets do receive revelation from God, but it does not have the authority that what the apostles wrote and spoke had. And so everything that comes by way of prophecy needs to be judged and evaluated by the scriptures. If anybody thinks they've received a word of prophecy that contradicts the scriptures, well, it's not from God. We love you. We can talk about it, but it's not from God. Because the scriptures are the authority for the church. And yet God does bring revelation called prophecy that when we speak it to each other brings great benefit to people. So New Testament prophecy is not the same as Old Testament prophecy. There's a difference. Now let's talk about just the different views in the church about supernatural gifts like prophecy. And and as I think about it, there's kind of three main groups. I want to explain this to you so that you'll see where the elders at Grace Church lands. One group believes that God is no longer giving supernatural spiritual gifts. And I, I have a lot of friends in that group. They love Jesus. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. God's powerfully working through them. But their conclusion after studying the Bible is that God is no longer giving supernatural spiritual gifts. The second group believes that God is still giving supernatural spiritual gifts. But unfortunately, this group too often ends up practicing spiritual gifts in ways that are not always biblical. Let me give you some examples just so you know what I'm talking about here. So some people in this second group will teach that if we just have enough faith, then God will always supernaturally heal. That's not the case. Sometimes it's God's loving and wise and kind will to allow sickness to remain. Others in that group teach that everybody can and should speak in tongues. It's not what the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians 12.30 shows very clearly that God does not give everyone the gift of tongues. And by the way, the gift of tongues is not the ultimate spiritual experience. It's It's a wonderful gift. We pray for it here. But it's not the ultimate spiritual experience. The ultimate spiritual experience is when the Holy Spirit reveals the glory of Jesus Christ to you through the Word so that you see His glory and feel His glory. That's the ultimate. That's what the Holy Spirit does, and He will do that for all of us who are trusting Christ. Something else about speaking in tongues for the second group. Um, They encourage public speaking in tongues without interpretation too often. So just public speaking, but no interpretation. But Paul is very clear in 1 Corinthians 14 that that doesn't help anyone. And so publicly heard tongues should always be interpreted. And the fourth point under this, um, some of these groups make prophecies more important than the Bible. They don't evaluate prophecies by the Bible. They make prophecies more important than the Bible. And then a lot of people in the group, sometimes they're living their life based on prophecies, yesterday's YouTube prophecy, rather than the scriptures, which is a terrible, terrible mistake. So one group believes that God is no longer giving supernatural spiritual gifts. The second group believes that God is, but they tend to practice them sometimes in ways that aren't very biblical. And and then there's a third group, and, and this is where the elders find ourselves. This third group, we believe that God is still giving these supernatural spiritual gifts, but, but we want to be 
very diligent in making sure that we're pursuing them biblically. So what does that mean for us? We encourage praying for the sick. Let's pray for each other. Let's ask God to supernaturally heal us. And God does at times supernaturally, miraculously heal, right? We've experienced that. But it's not always God's will to heal people. Sometimes in his love and wisdom and in his grace, as a gift to us, he'll allow us to remain sick. Read about Paul's thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 12. We believe in the gift of tongues, and we pray that God will pour it out upon many in the church here, but God does not give this gift to everyone. And it's not that those who are his favorites get that gift. Not at all. Okay, He loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. He's going to give you exactly the gifts that will be best for you, give you the greatest joy in him. It may or may not be tongues. Don't worry about it. Okay? We welcome public gifts of tongues, but they always need to be interpreted if they're heard publicly. Paul is very clear about that. If that sounds strange to you, if, if you're from a different background than that, we love you. But I would just appeal to you this afternoon, read 1 Corinthians 14 and see if you don't agree that that, that is what Paul says. Paul the Apostle. So that's just three different groups. Now the question I want to move to is, why then do we believe that these gifts are still being given today? Godly people who love Jesus have a different opinion. This is an area where godly people can have different opinions. It's not crystal clear in the Bible. But we believe that that's what the Bible teaches. So when will God stop giving these gifts? We've just read 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says there is a time when these gifts will stop being given. There's a time when they will cease. So the big question is, when is that? When will God stop giving these gifts? Let's walk through this passage again, and I want to show you what Paul is saying. Verse 8, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for supernatural gifts of knowledge, it will pass away. These things will end. But love will never end. Okay? Prophecy, tongues, supernatural knowledge, yes. Love will never end. But when? When will these things pass away? The answer is in verses 9 and 10. Paul says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So we know in part, we prophesy in part. Spiritual gifts help us understand things partially, but when the perfect comes, the partial is going to pass away. So what is the perfect, and when does it come? There are two main answers, okay? Some say that the perfect is the completion of the Bible. At the time that Paul is writing 1 Corinthians, the, the Old Testament is completed, and the New Testament is being written, and we're not exactly sure when it ends, but it's around... 90 AD, somewhere in there. Nine, the year 90 AD is when the New Testament was, was completed. So if that's what the perfect is, the completion of the Bible, New Testament, then gifts ceased at the year 90 AD, roughly right in there. So that's one possibility, that the perfect is the completion of the Bible. 
A second possibility is that the perfect is the second coming of Christ. At the end of history, we all know Jesus will return, bring history to a close, bring in the final judgment, heaven, hell, everything changes then, the second coming of Christ. And those who have this view would say that at that point, when Jesus comes back at the second coming, supernatural spiritual gifts will cease. So if that's what the perfect means, the second coming of Christ, then that means that these gifts are still being given today and will continue to be given until Jesus returns. So you can see why it's so important to figure out, is it the completion of scripture, in which case these gifts have already ceased? Or is it the second coming of Christ, in which case these gifts will continue until Jesus returns? Now the elders of Grace Church, Figured, you've probably figured this out. We believe it's the second, that it's the second coming of Christ. Why do we believe that? Let me explain where Paul goes next. Paul now, next in this passage, gives two illustrations of what happens to the church when the perfect comes. Two illustrations of what happens to the church, how the church is changed when the perfect comes. So the question is, which explanation, completion of Scripture or second coming of Christ, best fleshes out those illustrations? The first illustration is in verse 11. Look at what Paul writes. When I was a child, he says, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So here Paul is talking about God's people, the church. He's saying that before the perfect comes, God's people are spiritually immature. Before the perfect comes, God's people are spiritually immature. When the perfect comes, God's people become spiritually mature. Now, does that illustration work better with the perfect as the completion of Scripture or the perfect as the second coming of Christ? Is, is that what happened in A.D. 90, completion of Scripture, or is that what will happen when Jesus comes back? Let's try the completion of Scripture, first of all. If the perfect is the completion of Scripture, then Paul is saying that when the Bible was completed, at that point, the church was changed from being spiritually immature to being spiritually mature. So that would mean that we today, 2021, are spiritually mature compared to the believers, say, in the book of Acts. Now, is that the case? I don't think so. I mean, the early church, the book of Acts, the church was amazing. I mean, they had, they had immaturity, right? There was maturity, there was strength, there was immaturity, weakness, just like today. There's maturity and there's, there's immaturity. I don't see a massive, significant immaturity to maturity change taking place when the scriptures were completed. So I, I don't think that that works. Does it work better if we understand the perfect as the second coming of Christ? Let's just see how this develops. If that's what Paul is saying, then he's saying that the early church and the church today are all equally spiritually immature, but that when Jesus comes back, all believers will become spiritually mature at that point, grown up, adults. 
Is that what happens? Well, of course, when Jesus returns, we all are transformed into being sinless, right? Receive our glorified bodies. All these things take place in the end, final time. And so are we immature now compared to what we will be like when Jesus returns? Absolutely. In every way we are. So I I hope that helps you see why the elders would take verse 11 is that just fits better with taking the perfect as the second coming of Christ, not as the completion of scriptures. Now there's a second illustration Paul gives in verse 12. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then after the perfect comes face to face. Now I know in part, then after the perfect comes, I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. Now, underline that phrase face-to-face in your Bibles. Very important phrase there. That that phrase is used throughout the Bible to describe knowing God. Knowing God. that's, That's the topic here. That's the focus here. And so Paul is saying that before the perfect comes, God's people know God, but it's like in a mirror dimly and in part. But after the perfect comes, they will know God face-to-face and fully. That's what this illustration is showing. So the question is, okay, which, which scenario works? Did that happen when the scriptures were completed? Or does that make more sense to say it happened when Jesus returns at the second coming? Let's look at the one about the completion of scripture. Does that work? If that's what the perfect is, then when the Bible was completed in A.D. 90, the church at that point changed from knowing God in a mirror dimly and in part to knowing God face to face and fully. That's when this change took place. So that would mean that we today in the year 2021 know God much more face to face and fully than the early church knew God. But I just don't think that's true if you read the book of Acts. I mean, do we know God better than Lydia knew God? Better than Paul knew God? I don't think so. So let's look at the other option. If the perfect is the second coming of Christ, what is Paul saying? He's saying that the early church and the church today and us today, we equally know God in a mirror dimly compared to how when Jesus returns, we will know God face to face and fully. So think about it. Does that that make sense? Will our knowledge of God in heaven be face-to-face compared with our in a mirror dimly knowledge of God now? The answer is yes. And by the way, praise God for in a mirror dimly partial knowing of God that we have now, right? Beautiful. We love that. We do know God now. But oh, brothers and sisters, nothing like what you're going to know when Jesus comes back. You are going to see your Savior face to face. Clear. It's going to be glorious. Praise God for what we have now. More is coming. Much more is coming. And so I I think in this illustration too, the second coming of Christ fits the illustration better. It just makes more sense. So that's why we elders believe that the perfect is the second coming of Christ. We are so glad for the completion of scriptures. Praise God. We love the Bible here. The Bible is our authority. 
We study the Bible. We teach the Bible. We preach the Bible. We pray over the Bible. I hope you're all doing that. We all need to have our foundations built upon the scriptures. We love the completion of scripture. But I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the second coming of Christ, which means that spiritual gifts will cease when Jesus comes back, which means they're still being given today. Now, if this is a brand new thought for you, um, don't panic. I would just encourage you, study. Just study the scriptures. We wouldn't want anybody to say yes to this just because this is what's being preached here. That's not, you need to look at the Bible. The Bible is our authority. I think the Bible just bears this out. You study the Bible. And if this is going to take some time for you to process and study, take as much time as you need. That's what's most important, is that you study the scripture. But take heed, think about what, what I've tried to explain here. That'll at least help you understand why the elders at Grace Church have the convictions that we do. That's why we believe that gifts are still being given today. One of the reasons why. There's others. That's, that's one. Which means that the command that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 is still a command that's important for us to obey today. Let's read that command again. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's a command to all of us, we believe. Now, let me tell you about a time in my life, in fact, the time in my life when I most powerfully experienced being on the receiving end of a word of prophecy that was just so incredibly helpful. I've shared this story before. Some of you have heard this before. But I want to share it again for a couple of reasons. One, like I said, it's the most powerful time I've experienced receiving benefit from spiritual gift. That's one reason. A second reason is this, this shows just how weak I can be spiritually, how full of doubt and unbelief I can be, but how gracious God is in, in helping us when we're like that. So here's what happened. Jan and I were living in Southern California. I was on staff at a church there. We'd been there for a couple of years, settled, stable, enjoying life, enjoying the ministry. And then God, this might sound strange, so just bear with me, but God started giving me dreams, many, I mean, a number of dreams that specifically pointed to us moving six hours north to San Jose to plant a church. We didn't know anybody there. Part of the dreams was, get it, Steve, get a job, support yourself while you're planting this church, and that the church was going to start with high school students, okay, and then their parents are going to start coming to faith. I mean, it's just this amazing, it's like, wow, incredible. So Jan and I talked about it. We're praying about it with others around us. And it's like, God's confirming this. This is, this is exactly what he's calling us to do. One night we had a couple over for dinner who weren't from our church, friends from the past, love Jesus, powerful ministries, but they don't believe that God is still giving dreams and visions and spiritual gifts today. But we love them. We're good friends. And so we had them over and we shared with them our story. Here's, here's what God's been doing here. How, here's how he's been leading us. And, and they tried to be as gracious as they could. So the husband said, well, even if this is all your kind of from you, even if this is just your own idea, God's still going to totally take care of you. Well, I, I appreciated his attempt to encourage us. But when he said that, my stomach just sank. I thought, what if that's exactly what this all is? What if this is just my own crazy imagination taking these dreams that mean nothing and making some kind of meaning out of them. What if, what if this is just all me? 
What if this has all been from me? What if this is not from God at all? What if it's just all me? And so I went to sleep that night saying, God, if this isn't from you, I want nothing to do with it. You need to help me see if this is from you. Is this from you? Next morning, I woke up and I was going to go teach a class at an Old Testament survey at a nearby church, a different church. And we took a break halfway through the class. And uh, a gentleman walked up to me, who I didn't really know. We'd never really talked. And he said, can I talk to you in private? I said, yeah. And so we went out into the, into the hallway. And he said, he was a little sheepish, a little embarrassed. He said, I, my wife and I, while we were driving over this morning, we were, we were praying. And, um, and as we prayed, we feel like God gave us a prophetic word to speak to you. And um, I hope this means something to you. It's very short. But, but God just said, tell Steve, it's all been from me. That, I know it's short, but that's just what it was. It's all been from me. Does that, does that mean anything to you? I said, you have no idea. I could hardly teach the rest of the class. So kind of the Lord. I went home, told Jan, what, what a beautiful gift. And, and we ended up moving to San Jose. It happened as I described, and for the next 25 years, we were pastoring that church until God called us here. But so I, I want you to see the amazing ways that God can work. Now, God can work in lots of not-so-supernatural-seeming ways. We don't want to downplay the ordinary. God works in just ordinary acts of love and grace and sharing a verse with someone else. Yes, let's keep doing all of that. God works powerfully through all of that. And God works powerfully through supernatural spiritual gifts like prophecy. And so our, our burden as we head into this series next couple of weeks, Grace Church, we need every resource God has made available to us. We are living in a very dark country spiritually. It's no surprise to you, you know that. We are surrounded by people who desperately need to hear about Jesus. We want to see the gospel advancing here. And so we need every resource that God has made available to us. That's why we're so passionate about this. Because we as a body will be stronger if we are pressing in earnestly desiring spiritual gifts and the gospel will be shared and the gospel will advance more powerfully and effectively as we are earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts. So let me give you a couple of takeaways, four takeaways just from this morning and from this passage. First one. Trust Jesus. This is where it starts. If you're not yet following Jesus, this is where your focus should be this morning. Trust Jesus to forgive you for your sins, to change your heart, to satisfy you with the joy of knowing God in Christ. Everything starts here. We'd love to pray with you before you leave to help you understand more of who Jesus Christ is, what it means to be forgiven. Trust Jesus. That's number one. Number two, Grace, church, let's pursue love. Not trying to be noticed by people. This is about love. This is about other people. God's people, lost people, other people. Pursue love. Number three, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Let me encourage you every day, for the sake of love, ask God, give me spiritual gifts today. Bring me a gift right now. Is there something you want me to say to my wife today or my husband or my children or my parents? Is there something you want me to say to those members of my home group as we meet tonight? Do you have something you want me to share with this person at my workplace or this neighbor that I have? Is there something you want to give me to share on Saturday morning 
Gulp. Yes, he might do that. And I hope you'll share it. But earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Let's just raise the level of our praying for this up as a church. Let's just raise it up as a church. And then number four, share whatever gifts God gives you. It doesn't mean you stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. No, that's Old Testament prophets talk. That's Isaiah. That's Moses. We just say, you know, I, I think maybe God's saying this. Let me share it with you. You pray about it. He'll confirm it to you if it's true. Search the scriptures. But we say it. We still say it. And God will work very powerfully through it. If you get a word of prophecy for Saturday mornings, email it to the elders so we can see where, where that might go in, in the service. But share whatever gifts God gives you. If you are frightened, join the club. Just pray and ask God to help you. And then obey. Very simple. <laughs> Easy to say, hard to do. But you'll be blessed. You'll be so glad you did. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. Remember 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love, Grace Church. And earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Lord, would you work right now, any in our midst who are not yet trusting Jesus as their Savior and Lord and treasure, would you right now, Lord, work in their hearts, bring them to faith today, we pray. And Lord, help us as a church to pursue love, earnestly desire your gifts, especially prophesy, prophecy. Come and work, I pray, in Jesus' name.